We want to discuss this evening something about uh, how humble love works in the human heart. In one of our previous studies, we discussed how Jesus allures with his love. And in the last study, we discussed the humility that is needed. But now we wish you to notice how the two are blended in Jesus. In other words, love does not get through to the human heart unless it gets through as humble love. Love that says, I love you, poor thing, it doesn't help the poor thing. It turns them off. And anything that sounds like that turns them off. But the Bible tells us about the love of Jesus that gets through to human hearts. In Revelation, the first chapter and the fifth verse, it says, he, he loved us and washed us in his blood. That's humble love. When I realized that Christ was willing to come in and die for me to shed his blood in order to cleanse me, I have the true concept of love. Then he turns to us, and in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 2 to 8, it tells us that we should let his mind be in us. He was God. He was equal with God. He was God. But he humbled himself and came down and was born in a stable and cradled in a manger. And this is how I know he loved me, because he was willing to humble himself. Humble love is the only kind of love that the sinner can really understand. <coughs> and so this evening, we want to share with you a few experiences of humble love. <coughs> I'd like to share with you first an experience that I had. We're holding a series of meetings in a tabernacle, and we devoted about seven minutes and a half to questions and answers. One evening, just before I left the prayer room to come out the rostrum to start the meeting, somebody handed me a set of questions, 28 series of questions, series. Each series may have had five or six or eight questions in it, pages of questions, typewritten, single space. And then, as the questions were finished, the author of the question said, read my questions aloud to the audience and then answer them. Well, right away, I knew it would take a half an hour, nearly, just to read the questions. Now, if I were to answer them, it would take the whole evening. And as I glanced down through that set of questions, it dawned over me very clearly that they were put in by, by an atheist or an agnostic, a bitter individual. And you know, right away, <clears throat> I said to myself, okay, brother, I'll take you on. I know plenty of scriptures that'll handle you, and I'll use them. I'll bring out my arsenal of scripture, and I'll nail you to the wall. I said it in my heart. And I'll watch you wince, brother, bitter antagonist. And then the Lord caught up with me. The Lord who has revealed in Jesus a humble love. And he said to me something like this by the Holy Spirit. How about uh, 
you're representing my humble love rather than Glenn Kuhn. And you know, as I stepped into the auditorium, that thing just kept going through my mind. How about representing Christ's humble love instead of the kind of love that you think you have that nails him to the wall and proves to him that he's wrong? By the time I got to his question, at the end of about six minutes of questions and answers, for uh, I, was timing my, I was timing my questions, just like we're timing this uh, message tonight. And I noticed at the end of six minutes, I still had these 28 series of questions. By this time, the Lord had really gotten through to me completely. And I stood up and I held these questions in my hand. And I said, I have a series of questions here. They come from a very sincere individual. Now you know the Lord got through, don't you? <laughs> they come from a very sincere individual. I said, they were very intelligently written. And I said, this individual, he didn't sign his name, this individual needs far more than just five minutes. We only have a moment left. This individual deserves a whole hour or two. And I'd be happy to make an appointment with the, the, the writer of these sincere, intelligent questions. And he can be free to come to me at any moment. With that, I laid the questions aside, went into the regular sermon of the night, and as I was preaching, I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, when we let the humble love of Christ flood our souls, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. About uh, three nights later, perhaps it was, I received another message from this man. No name signed. And the message went something like this. Dear sir, the way you answered my questions the other night broke my heart. And then he went on to, to describe his life. He said, I was reared in a Christian home. As a little boy, I knelt by my mother's bedside. And he said, I talked to the Lord Jesus. I loved him as a boy. As I was growing into adulthood, somehow I lost this relationship with my Lord. I began to read various infidelic authors. And he said, doubts began to arise in my heart. And I found myself slipping farther and farther from the Lord. And he said, finally, I turned from him completely. I turned from the Bible. I went farther down in my spiritual and moral life. My life has been a mess without God, without Christ. And he said, to be perfectly frank, I came to your tabernacle the other night with one express purpose in mind, and that was to stir up a little strife. But he said, when you answered my questions so kindly, it broke my heart. I sat through the meeting, spirit-filled. <clears throat> I don't know the exact words he used, but this was the thought. He said, I returned home after the meeting. And he said, sir, for the first time since I was a little boy, I knelt before the Lord. I said, Lord, I've thought that Christianity was a humbug, a farce. I had concluded that all Christians were hypocrites. But Lord, tonight you showed to me that there's such a thing as a sincere Christian. And he said, I knelt down, and as I knelt, 
I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I confessed my sins and I received his forgiveness and his cleansing because I saw Christ in you. Do you know, friends, as I read that letter, the goose bumps must have come out on my arms. I thought, how near I came to giving this man the works when he needed the humble love of Jesus Christ. The world is dying for a little bit of love, but the love that belittles is not love. They can never equate it with love. They equate love with humility. And my friends, I said, Lord, if you'll give me the strength, never again will I start arguing with a man that seems to be so antagonistic. I'll look beyond that mask, and I'll realize there's a soul longing, craving for a better life. Lord, help me to reveal your humble love everywhere I go. Before the week was finished, an associate minister of mine and I were in a man's home, another man's home, and he acted just like this man's letter appeared. He was mean, he was cantankerous, he was bitter, and you know, again, it seemed I forgot completely about the humble love of Jesus. And I was just ready to take him on. Have you ever been that way? You knew what they needed was proof. You know what kind of proof they need? They need the proof that Jesus Christ still dwells in humble hearts. That's what they need to know. And I caught myself just before I started taking him on, and I turned to my minister friend sitting next to me, and I said, do you know what I think about this gentleman? I said, I think this gentleman has been abused, wounded by some professed Christian. And as I turned in apologetic testimony and asked for his forgiveness for wherein any of us Christians had, had hurt him, the man broke into tears, and he told us his story. He, too, had been wounded by Christians who tried to represent the love of God without realizing that God's love washed us in his own blood. That's humble love. Oh, it was a wonderful thing. What took place in those men's hearts when I let the Holy Spirit keep me from representing Glenn Kuhn and representing the wonderful, wonderful love of God. The Bible tells us in John 1, 4 that Christ's life was the light of men. This humble love of Jesus Christ was the light that shined and is light in the world with his glory. Oh, how careful we must be not to be sanctimonious, right? Not to take on this holier-than-thou stance with anyone with whom we come in contact. We built a new church over in Madison, Tennessee many years ago, and there was a quite an outstanding officer of the city who happened to be a member of our faith was standing there, there one day and was looking at the building, and, and someone had told me how very antagonistic he'd been at one time. And I was very interested to know what created this change in this man from an antagonist to a humble believer and a man of some influence and official position. So I uh, went up to him, introduced myself, and I said, Brother, I understand that at one time, you were very antagonistic. Do you mind telling me how the change took place? I said, did, uh, did your wife nag you a little bit? And he didn't say a word. I hardly thought he 
noticed that I was there. Did she uh, belittle you a little bit? Not a word. And I thought to myself, I wonder what's happened. I said, Brother, I am holding revival series, and I would like to be able to tell people how individuals like you in your official capacity, being an antagonist, ha have turned. Uh, did your wife kind of apply some pressure? The man had a beautiful, reverent face. He looked into my eyes and very quietly said, No. My wife never scolded. She never belittled. She never condemned. But he said, Pastor Kuhn, when I was that rebellious sinner, I can't count the nights at midnight or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the night that I've been wakened by a little sob, muffled. Without moving, I turned my eyes in the direction and found my wife kneeling by my bedside. She was crying to God for my salvation. He said, that is what changed my heart. I said, praise the Lord, I'd like to tell it everywhere I go. We're conducting a series of meetings in, a, in the island of Grenada, British West Indies, many years ago. And uh, we're inviting people to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. Hundreds did accept him. Among those who were preparing for baptism and to unite with the church was a lady who came to me and she said, Pastor, before I am baptized, I would just like to make some wrongs right with some neighbors. She said, I, I haven't gotten along too well with my neighbors, and I don't know just how to go to them. She said, would you be willing to go with me and visit some of these neighbors? I said, yes. We set up the date, I think, for 10 o'clock Tuesday morning, we'll say. I was to meet her at the church. I came to church right on time. She wasn't there. Perhaps it was 20 minutes later that I saw her rushing up the driveway, hurrying, because she knew she was late. And when she came to where I was, she said, Pastor, I'm sorry I was late, but she said, I'll tell you why I was late. She said, I got to thinking this over, and I said, you didn't have anything, Pastor Kuhn didn't have anything to do with my misunderstanding with my neighbors. Why do I have to bring him into it? Why don't I go to these neighbors myself and confess my mistakes? And you know how she confessed? She didn't say, you and I have had some trouble and I'm going to leave it to you to confess for where you've made your mistake, and I'll confess where I've made mine. None at all. She went as though she were the chief offender. Mrs. Brown, she said, will you forgive me? I've not acted right toward you, and I've given my heart to Jesus, and I plan to be baptized and unite with the, with the church. She said, would you forgive me? And she said, she forgave me. She said that I rushed over to another neighbor, and another. I said, how many neighbors in all did you go and confess to? She said, 26. Ah, <laughs> friends, the human heart can understand humble love, for humble love is the love that brought our Savior all the way from Gloryland to be born in a stable and cradled in a manger, to be born with the beasts and to die with the criminals. Men understand that kind of love, humble love. 
but the love that towers over people, it's hard to understand. Now, Jesus says to you and me, come unto me. This is found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And if you learn this of me, you'll find rest, complete rest to your soul. My friends, what a wonderful Savior who is willing to share his life with us. The only way you and I can be humble is if the humble Christ comes in and dwells within, right? There's no other way. And you know, it works in every area of life. We were preparing a lady, catechizing a lady, reviewing a lady for baptism some years ago, and right in the middle of the review, she said, looked up and smiled, and she said, would you like to know why I decided to join the church? And you know, I was very young in those days, and of course I assumed it was some special sermon that I had preached. <laughs> oh, yes, I'd like to know. Of course I would like to know. She said, well, I'll tell you. She said, it was because of the wonderful love that I've seen among your people. And I wanted to belong to a people that are so loving as that people. And you know, I wasn't let down at all. I thank the Lord that I belong to a people who love each other. What do you say? Of people who are not quarreling with each other. People who are not trying to have their own way, shove their weight around in a church council or any councils of the church. They're not trying to make out that their opinion is better than anybody else's. They're doing what Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. But in humbleness of spirit, let each esteem the other better than himself. My friends, that tells the world something. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you what? Love one another. What kind of love? Humble love. Love that respects, as the Bible says, esteeming other better than ourselves. That's Philippians 2, 3. Honor all men. That's 1 Peter 2, 17. Speak evil of no man. That's Titus 3, 2. Oh, the world is looking for that kind of Christianity. Humble love. In every area of life, Back uh, about uh, 25 years ago, we organized a new church with 200 charter members. And when I wrote my oldest brother and told him that we had 200 charter members to start our church, he wrote back, he said, Glenn, that baby was born with its pants on. <laughs> 200 charter members. We had no place no church home yet because we wanted to buy a spot, a parcel of land, and build a church on it. So uh, we looked around town, and the Methodist brethren opened their sanctuary, a beautiful sanctuary. And they said, well, of course you can meet in our sanctuary. You'll meet at one hour, we'll meet at another hour. And we said, now, about what would the rental be? Oh, they said, no rent. Uh, the pastor said, you know, we only pay a little more for lights and just a little more for heat. And I called my church council together and I said, they say no rent. Let's not be sponges. Let's pay our way. So we, we almost had to thrust money on them. They were remodeling at the time. You know how inconvenient it would be to have another church congregation meeting in your church while you're remodeling 
During the 18 months we were in that church, we heard not one word of complaint. No criticism whatsoever, no irritation. When we were ready to go into our own church, I said to the pastor, Pastor, I would somehow like to get a special word of appreciation through to your people. Well, he said, all right. He said, come over Sunday, next Sunday, and you can preach 10 minutes, and I'll preach 10 minutes. And half the choir can be yours and half mine. Half the congregation yours and half mine. So I said, thank you so much. We announced it to our people the next Sunday. As I stood up to speak first, he said, you'll speak first. He had a special reason for saying it. I took as my text, the text that says, he hath made us sit together in heavenly places. And I said, now I want to give two testimonies in the 10 minutes allotted to me. I said, my first testimony is to the beauty of the Methodist people that I've known. I said, all my mother's people were beautiful Methodist Christians. And then I went and explained, cited example after example of Methodist kindness to me personally and to my people. And when I finished, I said, now, I also want to give my testimony to what Jesus means to me. And as I told them in the simplest language, for I've never tried too much to be eloquent because I knew it couldn't anyway, what Jesus means to me, I saw tears in Methodist eyes. When I sat down, the Methodist minister stood and he said, I take as my text, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for some have thereby entertained angels unawares. He said, I'd just like to tell you good people that up till two years ago, I knew why God had brought into being the, the Nazarenes, for instance. They restored the mourner's bench. The Baptists, he said, their wonderful message of separation of church and state. And he went on and told of different faiths and denominations. But he said, for the life of me, until two years ago, I couldn't figure, for the life of me, what God had ever raised up these people. He said, but ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have learned in the last two years that the reason why God raised up these people is to tell the world, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, he said, it's not a question of whether it's Saturday or Sunday. He said, who in the United States today is keeping any day? And then he went on and he said, now, there's another thing about the people that Pastor Kuhn represents. He said, I, they have kind of a strange diet. And he said, I thought it was kind of legalism. But he said, during the last two years, I've learned it's not legalism. It's based on the broad principle that your bodies are the tabernacles of the Holy Ghost. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I can recommend to you no stimulant except the Holy Spirit. We sang to close the service, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. And I'll tell you, that place, I believe, was full of the angels of God. When the meeting closed, the pastor's wife, as I stepped off the rock, and she walked to me quickly, stepped up to me, she said, I, I, I interrupted her, I said, I want to thank you people for the wonderful kindness that you've, you've shown toward us for these 18 months. She said, listen, we're the learners. We're the learners. I said, no, 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 thank you so much. She said, no, we're the learners. 
I learned that the people of that Methodist church went home. They called their neighbors who weren't there that morning. And they said, listen, where were you this morning? Something happened in our church you've never heard of in your life. What's that? And one lady told her, her Methodist friend, she said, I'll tell you what happened. She said, the Adventist minister came down to our church and he preached a Methodist sermon. And when he finished, the Methodist minister got up and preached an Adventist sermon. She said, you've missed half of your life. Friends, God wants his people to love one another. God doesn't want his people looking down our nose at one another. He wants us to believe that Jesus Christ will live his life in us. And that is humble love. Shall we pray? Oh, dear Lord in heaven, I thank you this at this hour that you have, have forgiven me for wherein I've gotten in the wrong position as a Christian, thinking that it was my duty to look down on somebody. For you've said we all like sheep have gone astray. And Lord, as we are here together, forgive all of us wherein we have taken an attitude that's not like Christ. As we come to this closing prayer, are there those who feel as I do, you want the Lord to give you, flood you with his humble love, would you raise your hands? Yes, God bless you. And if there's one here at this hour who's never accepted Jesus, and you want to now, or you want it away, and you want to come back, lift your hand. You will take him. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.